Welcome to Style Zephyr, a lifestyle podcast brought to you by the Alec Bradley Cigar Company. Live true and celebrate each other. Music provided by Grammy Award winner Ulysses Owens Jr. And now your host, Kevin Quinn. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Kevin, and this is Style Zephyr at StyleZephyr.com. It's been five minutes, hasn't it? It has been quite a little bit of a hiatus, but uh, just 2019 and 2020, as we all know, uh, just pretty much turned the whole world upside down. But I am hoping that everyone is uh, staying happy and healthy, uh, from family and friends to health and wellness and uh, you know, careers and jobs, just everything. It's been such a crazy, chaotic roller coaster of a ride, but I'm hoping that everyone is finding that middle path in life and uh, really finding your zen and keeping yourself happy and occupied. Um, if folks maybe picked up any brand new skills or uh, new talents or hobbies over quarantines and lockdowns or picked up you know any any new bad habits or anything over time maybe if you bought some new k quinn socks or a suit or anything else like that um i am now the proud owner since our last conversation of k quinn is what i call a little bit of a uh, premium made to measure uh, uh, uh a custom clothing company uh i do men and women's uh, shirts and suits and individual garments as well as some accessories from uh, socks to my custom I'm fucking delightful socks to uh, ties and uh, little things in between so if you would like to take a look and maybe even book a consultation you can always find me on Facebook under Kevin Quinn as well as uh, kquinncustom.com drop me a line I would love to hear from you if you have any ideas or if you have a special event or just something that you want to treat yourself to it's always worth a conversation and I would love to be considered as an option for you plenty of folks that I would love to give uh, shout outs to uh, from uh, the Alec Bradley Cigar Company to uh, dear wonderful friend out in Las Vegas Mr. Tony Okoro of uh, Tycoon Designs who actually is the man behind my uh, clothing brand for designing my uh, logo and my art and uh, several other projects that he and I have worked on together uh, amazing shout outs of course to the Adlick Bradley Cigar Company uh, so much has happened of course in those two years since uh, with this break that they have introduced some amazing blends and I encourage and invite everyone to uh, if you have a local tobacconist Take a look at if they happen to have anything in their humidor that's brand new from Alec Bradley. Um, have had plenty of time, but just in case, uh, you can always ask uh, from the Kintsugi to the uh, Gatekeeper Cigars to uh, with uh, PCA 2022 having just come and gone. They introduced some brand new pieces as well as reintroducing some older classic pieces uh, from my beloved Sanctum uh, to the Double Broadleaf. So there's always something brand new going on. Uh, AlecBradley.com, or if again, if you happen to have a local tobacconist, you can always ask them if they happen to have anything um, that they might recommend for you and maybe discover what kind of palette you've got. Uh, for my guest today, because I want to jump right on into it, I want to thank Miss Elizabeth Rabarski, uh, PhD, since I graduated, but uh, she was a former professor of mine at the University of Illinois at Springfield, and her focus and emphasis of her studies and her uh, research has been on uh, sexual and dating communication and just breaks down a lot of uh, moldings and barriers and what kind of 
uh, worldviews that a lot of us have on dating and the way that men and women uh, or other uh, kind of communicate our needs and wants with each other. Uh, and we also look into her brand new, uh, her textbook that she had a big collaborative uh, part with, Activate Your Superpower, Creating Compelling Communication. So lots and lots to go over and you can always... Um, it's always good to learn more about yourself, if not for dating, because it's always the, the subject matter that we all love talking about the most, but it's also the one that makes us the most, some in some cases, the most bashful. So I'm very grateful for her time. It's been a long time coming, and I hope you enjoy it as well. So we're going to get right on into this. Welcome aboard the Zephyr, and I am Kevin Quinn, and let's get this show on the road. Admit it, you've fallen into the Pinterest wormhole so many times, it's not even funny. Okay, it's a little funny. Those fail photos couldn't have been further from the original. But your next project doesn't have to be a fail. At DIY Vinci, we curate kits for you with step-by-step -step instructions and video tutorials. Or if you're just looking for art supplies or even home decor, we've got that too. Discover what you could DIY at www.diyvinci.com. Your masterpiece starts here. Welcome to Casa de Montecristo. Leading tobacco retailer in Chicago, Casa features a beautiful 3,700-square-foot lounge with a VIP room, a conference room, and theater for hosting your events as well. Their inventory features products from companies like Regius, Alec Bradley, Davidoff, Camacho, Romeo y Julieta, Ashton, My Father, and dozens more. Their aging room includes cigars as sold as pre-embargo. Pay them a visit at www.casademontecristo-chicago.com or cdmcigars.com, the home of the only online retailer, proudly paired with Style Zephyr. Howdy, folks. Welcome to a brand new episode of Style Zephyr at stylezephyr.com. Kevin coming back at you. Thank you so much for tuning in. I have a very special yeah, episode for you today. Wonderful guest. We're going to be learning. She is an educator. She was my educator, but she's amazing at what she does. She's incredibly intelligent, incredibly well-informed, and she's an amazing researcher. She is an author of an amazing textbook that we will get into shortly. Dr. Beth Rabarski, doctor, thank you so much for joining me on this effort today. Well, thank you for inviting me. Of course. It uh, was not easy, and I had to bite the bullet on this, but after some bourbon and some Italian food, everything will be well. So it's all good. <laughs> we go back a little bit. Uh, Beth was an amazing educator to me, and learning about concepts and ideas of interpersonal communication and your focus, and you always had that grin on your face about talking about it, about uh, dating relationships and sexual communications and taboo, if you want to call it that. It was always enjoyable to hear your fascination with it and then conveying that information to us. It just always stood out with me. And here we are like 12 years later after U of I. That was just what drew me to wanting to ask you. So again, like from U of I, PhD, amazing I gave you the belated congratulations, but let's, if you could, where you come from as far as background and then I guess what kind of got you down the educator path that you have taken since then. Well, I originally hailed from Michigan, but ended up here in Illinois because of lovely job that I got. And I still thank my lucky stars to this day for the job that I ended up in. But believe it or not, I actually didn't start out in communication. 
I was on the speech and debate team, though. Yes, I am a huge dork and fully admit it. But the speech and debate time uh, was actually some of the best times of my life. I learned a lot about communication overall, and it was actually by the doing of my speech and debate coach who encouraged me to take a communication theory class, which sounds like the most boring class in the world because of theory, but it wasn't. Um, I really got drawn into it because it was something that I could take that very day and apply it that very day versus some of the other classes that I took, and I'm sure you took as well, where you never use that information ever again. Yeah, we, we've touched on it, yeah, <laughs> early, yeah, after a couple beers earlier, yeah, we touched on it for sure. And without a doubt, that ability to be able to take that information and apply it is really what drew me into studying communication. And I fully admit that I thought I was going to go into marketing. I did. It was, you know, the hot thing to do. There were tons of jobs in marketing. It was definitely in the direction to go in. But I did an internship. And my internship was, in fact, horrible. And if by some chance they're listening to this, they know it was horrible, too. Uh, nonetheless, it was... Say something else. <laughs> like if you're listening, by the way. They, they know that it was a horrible experience for them. It was a horrible experience for me. But the most important thing that came out of that internship was realizing that marketing was not my calling. So like a lot of students, I finished my undergraduate degree and didn't know what I wanted to do. And that's kind of sad to say that, but I think a lot of people end up in that boat of, I don't know where I want to go. I don't know what I want to do. So I decided that I was going to um, go to culinary school. Hey. Uh, it's like what Robin Williams once said, he's like, oh, my father once told me, always have a backup career, like welding. I, I had already <laughs> filled out a culinary school application. I was ready to go. And after my speech and debate coach took me out for more than um, a few beers, uh, I soon found myself signing up for the master's program <laughs> uh, in communication at the same university. I went to Central Michigan University for my undergrad and for my master's degree. And the great thing about that program is that they gave me my own classroom. I was teaching my own classes at 22 years old, and here I am teaching people who are my age, if not older than me, and it was my first chance to be in front of a class. And I found it really almost addicting and exhilarating in some ways that I got to put on a show for an hour and 15 minutes or however long my classes were back then. And I loved being able to connect with students and share what my passion was and talk about communication of how it's such a prolific part of our everyday lives and how we can make so many changes. And even if they're just little changes that can vastly improve not only how we present ourselves, but also how we connect with others. And that is really at the heart of what we do is how we use communication to make those connections. Um, Long story short, I finished my master's program and was so addicted to this idea of having my own class and loving developing my research and actually studying um, romantic relationships and the such as that I ended up at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, where I again continued my research into interpersonal and family communication and specifically looked at romantic relationships. And if you've ever heard the old saying that those who can't teach that's kind of where I ended up. Uh, fully admit, and everybody who knows me knows that I do not have necessarily a great track record when it comes to romantic relationships, and I kind of want to understand why. 
And in addition, I found that my students found romantic relationships fascinating because either they were in one, they had been in one, or they wanted to be in one in the future. And so it was a topic that everybody could relate to. So not just the fact of you know, studying the relationships, but I also tied in some of the aspects of media. So for instance, how media portrays romantic relationships. So even though if I ever watch another episode of The Bachelor or Bachelorette say, again, you have history with The Bachelor, <laughs> I will I will put a fork in my eye uh, because I studied it for my dissertation. But nonetheless, shows like that play such a huge role in how we view relationships and what we think relationships should look like. So something like The Bachelor oftentimes creates these real unrealistic expectations about relationships and who we should be in relationships. And so I, I really enjoy connecting with students and seeing them apply things. And one of the cool things about the university I'm at now, the University of Illinois Springfield, is that they let me take my passion and develop my own courses just related to romantic relationships. So it cracks me up that there's people who now have on their lovely transcripts that they took a class called Dating and Relating and got course credit for it. I don't think I have that. <laughs> That I, I had that the intro to interpersonal, so that's yes. all good. <laughs> that course did not exist when you were here. Um, I actually developed it uh, a few years after you had left. Damn. I know. It's sad. Damn. But it, it was wonderful to be able to take my passion and really develop an entire course just focused on romantic relationships. Why we're attracted to people that we are. Why we're repulsed by some people. Why we continue to end up in the same bad relationships over and over again how we can make our relationships better, how we can better connect with one another. One of the most important pieces of advice I tell people in long-term romantic relationships is to never stop dating your partner. One of the big mistakes we make is we fall into routines. And that's ultimately what can help be a glue in some ways. Routines are important and they are glue, but when we get bored, that's when things fall apart. That was one of the biggest things that you had taught us. And like I do make a joke of it to this day, but it still bears so much weight. It's just one word. Depends. Mm-hmm. And when there, we were in class and someone would raise their hand and say, well, what if you know one significant other does this? Depends. What if one significant other does this? Depends. And the interpersonal whole idea like the generalization of interpersonal it's so universal it's like it's so basic it's as basic as like nonverbal. and for as many people as i have ever met and like i'm in sales so it's like you're trying to communicate different ideas but do it differently all the time because you want to make money but for how many people i've ever met who are like i want to be a psychology major why because i want to understand why people do what they do and it's like you don't really even have it's not even so much about psychology it, it kind of is because it's it's the nonverbal. well that's part of what makes communication a unique discipline if you think about psychology itself it really dates back into the 1700s uh, and 1800s as well of where it really got its roots formed um, but communication as a discipline itself even though you can go back to ancient greece and think about you know rhetoricians and things like that aristotle plato so on and so forth what we know is the modern day communication discipline really didn't emerge until like 1940s, 1950s. And the study of interpersonal in and of itself really started taking root in the 1960s and interpersonal classes really branched off not until the 1980s and even into the 90s. So we as a discipline are really young, 
But we delve from areas like psychology and sociology and anthropology, and we even use some biology theories. So sometimes people like make fun of communication of, oh, why do you want a communication degree? I already know how to talk. Fine, it's, we are. <laughs> it's so one. It's it's, and I, and I always bring it back to this, but it's the clothing thing. Like, you don't have to. Some people I talk to, mm-hmm. I'm looking right at her. You don't have to like suits. But it's what's going on, like the biological factor in the brain and the nonverbal of how we are choosing to receive that. So, like, if you do watch The Bachelor, dude is, like, impeccably groomed, the hairstyle, suit, tuxedo, whatever, and, like, all the women are in nightgowns, and it's like their makeup is done. It's like there is something more to it. If it's, again, biological or... But please, go on. Oh, I'm going to take offense to thee, <laughs> but she doesn't wear a suit. I wore a lot of suits in my name right, time. Right, right, But it's like, uh, yeah, it goes on. <laughs> One of the things I love about where I'm at in my career now is that I don't have to wear a suit. Um, I think that they're great and wonderful and play an important role, but how we dress says so much to other people. It, I don't know about you, but I've been plenty of places where I've been dressed vastly different and been treated two completely different ways. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'll take one of our big box um, hardware stores, for example. The number of times that I have gone in in a pair of jeans that have paint on them or you know, or t-shirt because I'm in the middle of a project and I need to run in and go get something. I've been treated completely different than if I'm wearing what I'm wearing now. I'm wearing a red dress. Yes, there is cleavage involved. Uh, I've been treated completely differently of all of a sudden I become this helpless female because I look different. Do I have less money or more money in my pocket? No. Do I have less or more knowledge in my head? No. But simple things like your appearance change how other people perceive you and how they interact with you. Have I used it to my advantage? Oh, heck yes. Uh, When I'm like, oh, I really need this board cut and I don't have the ability to do it. Oh, goodness, I'm a helpless female now and I'm really cute. Uh, Yes, of course. But that's the part of which we learn how to use our nonverbal communication to sometimes get what we want out of other individuals. So for instance, you're using the example of doing sales. Sales is about making yourself approachable to the other person and engaging communication competence in such a way where you adapt the other person's needs, Mm -hmm. you adapt the other person's knowledge level, because if you are speaking above them, if you're speaking below them, Mm -hmm. you're missing the mark. Mm -hmm. And that's what turns off customers. So you have to meet that person where they're at. And it's no different than teaching. You meet the person where they're at. Uh, and if you look at, again, famous individuals across you know the board, whether you're talking about politicians, actors, actresses, whatever it might be, a lot of when you look at how they talk with various audiences can tell you a lot about how competent of a communicator they are. Do they adapt? to their audience. And that's what makes a salesperson successful of can they adapt to their audience. And I've had I've had moments where even like when you're pitching an idea to a customer, it's not my business to like what your budget is, but if I can kind of see you straying away from like, you know, $600 case but it's marked on sale to 400, but you're still kind of walking away, cool. And then at the same, you know, I'll lead you to the like this one, this fifty percent off. It's mm-hmm. like one hundred and twenty bucks. Like, this is the value, and this is the this. And 
Whereas where other people are like, I just need a quick fix. And I'm like, same one. I've been selling it all day. Great. It's great material, durability, and everything else. This is perfectly fine. This suits your needs. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I was like, you know what? This used to be my favorite case. But and, but then it's also like the honesty that maybe some folks don't like. Because it's like, yes, I will have folks who are like, what's your cheapest case? Mm-hmm. As a sales dude, you almost want to be offended by it. But then when you're like, oh, well, I mean... I can show you the best value, which is kind of the cliche of like the $600 case because of what it is. But I'm like, well, if you want the most affordable, because we don't sell cheap stuff, but the most affordable, gotcha. That's nitpicking. And I I think that's nitpicking for myself, but it's trying to get them to understand like this is what this is and why this is how much it is and why, you know, you're going to like the $150 one versus the $600 one. Like these are the differences. If you will travel twice or three times a year, just get the $150 one. It's cool. I'm a middle-class, blue-collar guy. Just get get what works. So as a salesperson, do you want somebody, when they come in as a customer, to be upfront with you about, like, here's my budget. This is what I have to spend. See, now I'm interviewing you. No, it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's okay. No, um... <laughs> I don't really have I don't have a preference. Mm-hmm. I am more for I will present you whatever is there and I will tell you why it's how much like, you know someone might say, "Well, why would you ever spend?" It's like my dad in a sport coat. Like he goes to Joseph A Bank, $200 for a jacket. I would never spend $200. I'm like, "Dad, are you in the market?" No. Did you ask questions? No. Did you want to buy a jacket ever? No. Well, then what difference does it make? But if you were like, well, why is this case $600? Probably my favorite is the reaction part. Because, again, like I was, I'm a theater minor. So it's like I'll have the, the 30-inch case of, like, you know, holds 200 liters of volume. And I, like, pretend that it's so heavy. And I hand it to them. And they're like, oh, my God, like, it's a 30-inch case. And it's only 4 pounds versus the 21-inch case that's 8 pounds. The difference is the technology and the durability and the life and lifetime warranty and everything. I work in luggage if you can't quite get that. But that's like that realization of getting them she's lip syncing things. You can of getting those things. Um it, it's taking that honest approach of like, I will show you what I have and if you like it for what it is, if you travel enough and in your mind you feel that that justifies the cost. Whatever you decide to go for, I would love to sell the $600 case all day long, but here's the $150, and I would rather you be happy, you liked me, because I am more along the lines of my reputation is more important to me than a sale. I mean, I was just curious. Um, as we talked about... It was a about, long-winded answer. No, no, no. I, I, as we've talked about um, over the last couple days, uh, is that I've made some larger home purchases mm-hmm. and renovations. <laughs> uh, and one of the things that I when I went in to talk about, for instance, getting new carpet or getting new doors is that I've been very upfront with the salespeople of this is my budget. And the number, don't mind bogey. Uh, the number, the the number of um, the salespeople who just like flat out said to me, like, thank you for just being honest about what your budget is and what you need and not wasting either of our times. Um, I was just curious about it. You were totally off topic of, of what we were talking about. No, it's fine. Well, but, <laughs> but it's that's establishing it, and it's the means of the communication and how you chose to receive it. Like, if mm-hmm. I... 
if I told you, like, if the very first case that I took to you was a $600 case, you might be like, dude, because it's happened. And it's mm-hmm. like, and I'm not doing it to be disrespectful to folks, but it's like, plus if it happens to be the very first thing that's close to the door, and you're like, this one is like, has a sharp design and a nice texture, and then you lift it, oh my God, like, it's not going to cause you a hernia. Mm-hmm. You're gonna to want to understand it, so it's like okay, like I will convey that, and like you know that's a little bit out of my budget. Cool, let me show you plenty of other great options for you, and it's like well, because in, in even like this time of the year, um, kids going back to school, like well, you know they're going to college now, and I'm like well, let me show you what the piece is that's the tradition because if you buy this, they're gonna eventually steal it and take it to college with them, but I'll be like you know what at their at their age. This one, it's 150 bucks. does a great job. Have a tag. That way, if they do like an international program, they can identify it quicker on the conveyor belt, whatever. It's just being level with it. So I guess if there would be a better answer, it would be like it does save the time. It saves the time. Um, and again, I uh, good communication is about being able to cut through all the red tape in some ways. Do I think that, yes, it's important to still blow smoke in some ways uh of being able to connect with the other person and you know not being as direct and straightforward or abrasive yes i've been accused of that sometimes uh (laughs) but being able to again just be effective and efficient and um being able to obtain your goal whatever it might be and i know when i talk about communication being very goal oriented it sometimes makes me feel like I'm shallow or we're being shallow as human beings, but it's not. We all have goals. You have a goal here, uh, you know, as my friend, you have a goal here as somebody interviewing me. I have a goal here too. Uh, And that's what we work together with our communications, try to make those goals hopefully as satisfactory to both of us involved. Totally. So, uh, because again, you're focused in a lot of your research she says that she's a bad researcher but i completely disagree and we'll get to why later on because it involves a book but uh when it comes to the suiting and the nonverbal and everything is i'm going to go back to all that all the time um and talking about the bachelor and like we had talked i we talked a little bit about like dating apps and whatnot but what would you might say is like the most common principles or more most researched ideas or concepts involving like dating apps or whatever you know as far as verbal nonverbal what do you think is like the most out there right now that just humors you the most or stereotypes or urban legends anything concepts whatever the hell like what is like the most out there dating apps are so fascinating (laughs) on so many levels um either my own experience on them other people's experiences on them i love living vicariously sometimes through my students and the stories that they bring to me again one of my favorite parts of teaching is just listening to their stories about their romantic relationships and especially dating apps uh but some of the bizarre shit that people put on these apps and each app is obviously developed for a different audience um, of what you're looking for. So, for instance, take something like Tinder, right? Um, Tinder's probably the most common and talked about dating app that we really think about. But what is Tinder known as? Yeah. Go on. Uh, is it a long-term it's relationship a hook, yeah, app? Hook, yeah, hookup. It's a hookup yeah, app. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 
However, the research has shown that approximately 60% of individuals on Tinder are actually looking for a long-term relationship. But... I was, but I don't have it anymore. <laughs> but here's the but part of it, is that the audience that they surveyed were 24 years old and mm. older. Different priorities. Different yeah. priorities, yeah. right? Um, so, again, it depends upon what app individuals are, are using. Do I know that Farmers Only has an app? I don't know. Uh, but most of the online apps have, or online sites have some form of an app um, that is involved. But what people put on it, you know, there's common mistakes that people make. Again, going back to clothing and such. What people are wearing or what people aren't wearing yeah. uh, says a lot about them. The number of times that I have seen individuals that have zero pictures of them without sunglasses on. I, 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 like, I like to see that people have eyes. Um, and that, you know, that whole Shakespearean, the eyes are the window to the soul. It plays a role there of actually being able to see and connect with somebody. Uh, I fully admit that in the midst of the pandemic, yes, I reloaded some of the dating apps. <laughs> I did because I was bored and just needed entertainment. Did I expect anything to come of it? No, I was just looking for entertainment. Yeah. Uh, one, one guy, I messaged him like, do you really just sad and depressed because there's not a single smile on any of your photos? He's like, I'm a really happy-go-lucky guy. I went, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> go, go on. Go on, right? Please reassure me. Just some things like that of what people put on. Or if I have to play the game of who are you in all of these photos? Which one? <laughs> which yeah, one of which you? One are you? There's like two, three... Your whole class, you're at a winery, you're at a bachelorette party. Uh huh. Uh huh. Who am I? Yeah. Exactly. Of like, nope. Is that one the same? Nope. Oh, God. Who is it? Uh, <laughs> all of those things. Or if I, if I pull up a photo and it is clear that this is a photo from 10, 15 years ago, great. Not guilty. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's common things that people do that, again, you think about things like catfish, right? Uh, Catfish is highly entertaining. It's a great show. Um, the whole movie version of it, great. However... For those out there that may not have any idea what you're talking about. Yes, Catfish. It is um, this, it this then turned into <laughs> MTV uh, show. Oh, oh, uh, but it was actually based upon a movie of one of the individuals that host the show now. Um he was catfished in that he was lied to of who the person was that was talking to him. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. And, again, I cannot remember the movie version, but it ended up being her... He thought he was talking to a younger girl, but he was really talking to the mom. Uh, don't quote me on this, but general oh thing is involved. <laughs> so the MTV show is based upon him being the host and they go and they help individuals who have developed these relationships with other individuals oftentimes through dating apps of finding out who the person is and why they haven't met because they give excuses like oh my my camera phone or my you know the 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 camera is um you know broken on it and i can't video chat whatever and they go seek out those individuals and yes there are times where the person legitimately had a good excuse or they were just nervous and shy and we were afraid of the rejection that comes because they were insecure of who they were and maybe they were using somebody else's pictures fine there are other times when it's been somebody they know that has been catfishing them mm. and messing with them 
but going back to the idea of people lying on apps, it yes, people people sometimes do because they want to present themselves in the best light possible. It's that idea of face work, and again, it's about what you wear. Think about the idea of we essentially put on a costume. We put on a suit, we put on a dress, whatever it might be to present ourselves in a particular way. And uh, if you think about dating apps and what people do there, uh, it's not unusual for, for instance, women to stretch the truth about their age. Oftentimes they will say they're slightly younger than they actually are. Really? Do they do that? Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Really? Not me. Uh, I'm very upfront about who I am. Right. And um, guys are more likely to lie about their height. They're more likely to say that they are taller than they actually are. Because within an American culture, we tend to seek out taller men. Um, and again, I'm speaking from strictly a uh, different sexed uh, relationship that women tend to seek out uh, taller men. So men will oftentimes stretch their height by at least an inch or two. I admit that I was on an app date with somebody, oh, probably about five years ago, where the guy clearly lied about how tall he was and kept trying to stand on a curb thinking I wouldn't notice. So did it go anywhere? <laughs> no, it didn't. Oh. <laughs> uh, for lots of reasons, not that one, but for lots of reasons. Um, the date just didn't measure up, huh? It didn't measure yeah. up. Ba-dump-bump-ching. Uh, <laughs> overall, um, both men and women tend to lie about their smoking habits. So even if they are a chain smoker, they will often at times put down trying to quit. Because they know that oh. non-smoking is more acceptable than smoking. And both are more likely to lie about their gym and fitness habits. Oftentimes they will put down what they did when they were in their peak physical fitness or what they could probably be doing. So for instance... I don't say, what's a gym, quote unquote? Fine. Um, <laughs> but they'll put down like, you know, oh, I, I go to the gym, you know, four or five days a week. They, they went to the gym once in the last month, but they could be going four or five times a week. It's about presenting yourself. It's about this idea of face and face work, and this is who I am, and I'm trying to make myself as appealing as possible. I think that some of that's important in some ways. Do I think lying's good? No. Uh, again, I'm at this point in time in my life where this is who I am. Here you go, like it or not. But we can still construct our message the best that we want to of how we might approach the other person. And that's dating apps themselves. It's just like Facebook. It's just like Instagram. Mm -hmm. It's that adapted social media and how the social media itself, it's not a trend. Like it's still, it's here to stay. And oh, the, the fact that it has altered how we communicate so much, like people have been saying it already for the last 10, 15 years. Like people, they don't communicate like they, like they would normally anymore. It's that, if you want to say passive aggressiveness, but it's that, just swipe. Mm -hmm. Like, it's the difference between, a, like, that adulthood of, like, saying no to someone's face, or, like, the swipe, or block, or you're done. It's the idea of, and this is kind of a stretching of how it's used, the idea of a cancel culture. is that it's so quick to be able to dismiss mm -hmm. things versus actually having to engage in those sometimes tough conversations with individuals. So, 
Imagine going up to somebody at a bar, whatever, even though we can't now. Uh, imagine going up to somebody at a bar and asking them out or, you know, saying, hey, can I buy you a drink or whatever. It's a completely different perspective than if all I have to do is look at an app or, you know, look at my phone and swipe left or swipe right. And if we both, you know, swipe, you know, right, all of a sudden magic has happened. We can connect now versus the rejection and how hard it is if somebody looks at you in the face and tells you, no, I'm good, which has happened to me. I'm fully in it. Uh, <laughs> but that's hard, right? It's, it's that it's you know, somewhere along the lines, someone realizing that degree of anonymity that you have and mm-hmm. unplugging yourself and you're good. Like there's no blood on the floor. No, and that's Literally. one of the reasons why things like cyberbullying happen, happen because you don't have to look somebody in the eye. Yeah. You don't have to fear that rejection. You don't have to fear that even the physical threat of it. Yeah, and it's just it's to think that how much of that is now ingrained. Like cyberbolt. Yeah, like that was a great point. I was going to gradually um, kind of bring up, but just how much it's affected all of us, and to think from like you said the 1700s to now, how many different aspects of it and. You know, why would you want to study communication? Because it's so multidimensional mm-hmm. to the point where it's almost sad. And that's one of the things that's also cool about the discipline. And again, even the department that I work in is that there's so many different facets of communication that we can study. So, for instance, I know that you spend a lot of time studying, you know, media and journalism, things like that, versus my area of study, which is more about the interpersonal relationships. Uh, you know, everything from health communication. So studying how we communicate not only about our personal health, how we communicate with the medical field, how the medical field communicates with all of us. Uh, Sports communication. There's so many different facets of it. Our field continues to evolve and change because of all these different changing technologies and even how our relationships continue to change and morph. Gotcha, gotcha. You happen to write a book? Yes. So as as all of these things kind of progressed, as you have to with an education, uh, going for the doctorate and the whole nine yards, um, just like there had to be a moment that sparked your pursuit of the education, at what point did you sit down and pour bourbon and say, I'm going to write a fucking book? If uh, it happened like that. <laughs> it did in some ways. Um, this is actually uh, the second book that I've done. The first book was uh, definitely a learning experience. It is called Activities for Teaching Gender and Sexuality in the University Classroom. Uh, or just the classroom. Can't even remember the name of my own book now. That's really sad. Uh, bourbon. It gets in the way. Damn it. But nonetheless, um, it was this idea where my colleague from the Women's and Gender Studies Department and I just were bouncing ideas off of one another of we need ideas of how we can bring these topics to other individuals and that was a good learning experience for me and it gave me the confidence to be able to move forward with my own book project. Uh, now while we talk about me authoring this book it's technically an edited book meaning that we sought out contributors for each one of the chapters in their area of expertise. Because as we were just talking about, communication is so vastly different across the board and so many varieties of perspectives that we made the argument that nobody can truly be an expert in all areas of communication. So somebody like me who studies romantic relationships probably shouldn't be writing a chapter about organizational communication. So therefore, we created it as an edited book. 
And my uh, colleague at Western Connecticut State University, Jessica Eckstein, actually was my co-editor of the book. And the whole rationale behind it is that we wanted something that was much more approachable for students. So many textbooks that you look at, and this specifically developed for an intro to communication class, are written too textbooky, for lack of a better term. They're dry, they're boring, they're written above students' heads, and this is meant to be an intro book to explain the basic concepts in an easy and approachable way. And it goes back to the very what we're talking about at the very beginning here of showing students how they can take this material and apply it to their own lives. Uh, in addition, I really wanted a textbook that was cheap. Check, textbooks are expensive, it's stupid. The, the textbook industry, no offense to our publisher, is ridiculous of how much money they end up making off of students. No authors and editors like me are not the ones making the money. We are not. Uh, it's the bookstores. It's the publishers. So we wanted something that was significantly cheaper. And one of the reasons we went with Kendall Hunt as our publisher is that it allowed us a lot of freedom in how we created the book, but also at a very affordable rate. So the textbook, if you go onto the Kendall Hunt site, um, they offer the textbook at $63, which I know sounds still expensive, but compared to $156 for our previous textbook we were using, that's a ton of money. I was a student for 11 years. I get what it's like to be living oh, on a budget. Especially when they, like, the last how many years they come with software. Oh, yeah. And Just so, an extra $50. Oh, so. absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why we also have a digital version of this, which <laughs> is $32. And so, I mean, $32 for a textbook seems way more approachable than the ridiculousness of so many different textbooks. And for the record, I laughed my ass off just reading the introduction. Yes, uh, we, we have a bit of a humor thing. It's a little bit of a dry humor. It is um, more than one dad joke in there. There are definitely jokes about, you know, size mattering. Uh, but it's also written for a from a superhero perspective, so it's very superhero-themed. In fact, the name of it is Activate Your Superpower, Creating Compelling Communication, because I love a good alliteration. But nonetheless... <laughs> uh, you know, bringing in the superhero theme of that we are our own best advocates. We are our own best superheroes. And it's important for us to not only be heroes for ourselves, but for the people around us. And that's one of the things that we talk about within the textbook. And each chapter has specific, like, little insert boxes. You know, the ones that we all like to just kind of glance by and never actually read. But they're important in no. here. <laughs> you know you I didn't read them. I was not a great student. I'm a much better guy than I am a student. I'm just a dude than I am a student. But nonetheless, <laughs> the idea where you can take these ideas and apply them in sometimes grand schemes of how to make the world a better place, but sometimes even little day-to-day -day things to improve your own life and improve the lives of those individuals around you. Oh, even like new habit forming. Oh, yeah. Where people say like, if you do like the same task whatever the, the perspective is, like doing the same task at a certain frequency, like you're mm -hmm. developing like these new things, whether it's weight loss oh, yeah. or going to the gym or something to do around the house, it's like little things. And if it's going to forge a new habit, it's just, it's, I mean, it's, I, I could be wrong, but it feels like a lot more difficult to, to start breaking that habit. Mm -hmm. But I mean, look at how people have reacted with the, like the, the lockdown mm -hmm. and the pandemic. 
Um, we're going to be winding this down, and I'm very grateful for your time with us. Considering the book and how it was presented, considering how you have done your research, regardless of how you feel about yourself as a researcher, uh, the research you have done and the studies that you have undertaken and the folks that you have worked with over the years, mm -hmm. if someone was to consider an educator career um, dabbling in interpersonal um, between verbal or nonverbal communication, what kind of advice would you give to folks, even if it's hindsight from like like a, a what you know now versus what you knew then kind of a thing, or now again acknowledging where social media has taken us or where just conversation has gone? That's a giant question. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many parts of that question that you just asked. This, uh, is, why, this is why you helped co-edit a book. <laughs> Uh, buy it <laughs> one of the things from an educator perspective one of the things i think is most important and i tell students all this time is to do an internship and i was your internship advisor yes and i encouraged you to do an internship because it teaches you a lot about yourself and about your career and what you want to do or what you don't want to do and as i said I did a marketing internship that taught me that a nine-to-five traditional job was not for me. And it's one of the things I love about my career is that I have so much flexibility in what I do and how I do it and even the hours in which I do it. So it's not unusual for me to be teaching, you know, at 10 o'clock at night or grading papers or whatever it might be. But at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, maybe I'm having a bourbon with, you know, my friend Kevin. Uh... <laughs> as far as you know actual relationships go i think one of the most important things that has happened to me within the last i'd say even 10 years is really thinking about your authentic self so much of what we do in our lives whether it be in sales whether it be in teaching whether it be whatever your career might be or even just as an individual is that we try to wear so many masks and that's exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting. And it took me a long time to get to a point where in my life where I was comfortable with who I am and what I'm bringing to the table. And am I everybody's cup of tea? No. And I know this. Uh, as my good friend Sarah describes me, I'm an asshole, but in an endearing way. <laughs> And I know this about myself. And it just took a long time for me to quit trying to please everyone. I, I Do I want people like me? Yes, absolutely. But if they don't, it's okay. And I'm okay with that. And so I encourage people to really be reflective about who they are and be reflective about what relationships they have in their life what are they getting from that relationship and how can they be a better friend how can they be a better romantic partner how can they be a better son daughter mother father whatever it might be we as individuals are a little self-centered it's true it's shallow we are but we can do little things to make other people's lives better. 
kindness doesn't cost anything, as I think you even have said to me in the last couple days. Dozens of times. Dozens of times. Dude at the bar, like, hey, like, I can wipe up my own whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, kind, like, my hands ain't broken. I can help out. Like, whatever. Yeah. Kindness doesn't cost anything. And I say it in all my classes. I just want people to be decent human beings. And it doesn't take a lot to do so. So long story short, think about yourself. Think about being your authentic self. But do so in a kind and compassionate way. And find your passion and share it with somebody else. And that's one of the things I appreciate about you as an individual is that you have found your passion. And you are not afraid to tell other people about it. And I have thoroughly enjoyed over... Um, talking to you for the last couple weeks, kind of getting towards this podcast of finding out more about you and your passion. And that's incredibly important. And I appreciate you wanting to know more about me and my passion. And that's what makes the world go around. So the next time that you see somebody out there, ask them what their passion is. And if they say, oh, I don't know, that still might be the question that gets them really thinking. I could be like, let me help you find it. And then I could be like... That sounds really dirty and I got crazy. stuff to do, dude. Like, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta go check the dryer. Like, I'm... Like, I'm... Hey, man. Like, best of luck to you. Or like, oh, shit. Like, my... My... My grub hub is at the door. Like, I'm gonna be right back. I'll talk to you. Uh, and then with any luck, you'll write a book and then accumulate your vast millions. As I've also reassured that several times when I take my book home with me. And I'm gonna be like, wow, I got a really good deal on this book. Now I gotta read it. Yeah, well, hopefully somebody does. You got a website, don't you? I do. What's up with that? www.deardrbeth.com. It is, again, one of those little passion projects, as long as we're talking about passion projects. It is something that I finally got the courage to do, and that I've had so many students that have asked me advice, and family members, and friends who have asked me about their family relationships, their friendships, their romantic relationships especially. And so I created this site as a way for people to ask me questions and I provide answers with it. And it's a lot of fun for me and I hope that other people get knowledge out of it, but also sometimes a good laugh. Do I love a good meme? Absolutely. (laughs) Who doesn't? Are some of them inappropriate? Absolutely. Does it belong in a Tinder profile? Depends. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But nonetheless, I do encourage people to check it out. Feel free to ask me questions um, that will see that there are no stupid questions. Well, there might be. Uh, There are. Um, But there are definitely questions that I would love to answer for you and help you out with. Um, It's a lot of fun. It's interesting. And it's continuing to grow. And I'm having fun with it. Awesome. Well, dear Dr. Beth, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your insight. Thank you for being the educator and the researcher. And uh, folks, that's what it's all about. It's about the authenticity, being true to you, as we say always, a style Zephyr. So until next time, stay true to you and stay styled. Take it easy.